Welcome in to another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. And boy, did we have the news week for this week. Yes, we had some stuff. Uh, we have news in F1 as it pertains to IndyCar. Shocking news in F1 that just, I think, pertains to everyone in motorsport that no one saw coming. And we have some driver announcements in IndyCar. We have uh, a puppy story that's just wild in IndyCar <laughs> to get to from the Rolex 24. All that to say, Joseph Newgarden, part of the, the winning team in uh, the Rolex 24 with uh, Penske Porsche Motorsport. So... There's just a lot. A lot to get to. A Nothing to necessarily to. pertaining to the actual season itself, no. but um, a lot to talk about nonetheless. So uh, let's begin. And of course, I, I think the biggest story, and uh, yes, it's an F1 story, but obviously with ties to IndyCar, Andretti, Michael Andretti's bid for an F1 team to start in 2026, rejected by F1. Now the FIA saying that they're engaging in dialogue to determine next steps again because the entry was approved by the FIA, but uh, not approved by Formula One. Not that I guess we should not have seen this coming, but the Andretti Cadillac bid, I, I don't think you could have asked for more. I think it's very clear that F1 doesn't want to dilute the pie from 10 teams to 11 teams. It, it's pretty simple. They came up with a half assed. Uh, response to it about competition and whatever, but we know why what it's about. It's all about the money. And while they said, "Hey, we're not shutting the door on it," to wait till twenty twenty eight when the buy in cost goes up exponentially. I'm yeah, sure with the new Concord Agreement, two hundred million to potentially six hundred million. So it's it's not surprising. We, we had heard talk that maybe the bid had a little bit more of a chance than most expected, but in the end. Formula One wasn't going to let this happen. Not but Formula One teams more than Formula One. And now for, for Andretti to get into the sport, it's going to take buying into an existing team of some sort. And if Haas continues to struggle, uh, maybe that's an opportunity in the years down the road, but that's really going to be their best bet. Now the excuse is, well, there's no you know works engine. GM will have that ready in 2028. That's the excuse. But the... The uh, status of Andretti's application, and some of these quotes are just absolutely hilarious. Uh, like this one. While the Andretti name carries some recognition for F1 fans, our research indicates that F1 would bring value to the Andretti brand rather than the other way around. Yeah, you're only talking about one of the two most accomplished uh, drivers in American motorsport history, along with AJ Foyt, and probably perhaps the biggest name in racing, who transcends racing, being the Andretti name. I mean, the dude's in rap songs, right? I mean, he, <laughs> but you're he's talking, a Cars character. But okay? you're talking U.S., though. I mean, yes. I will give Formula One. Yeah, I, I can't speak. But he's a former F1 world champion. I know, but I can't speak to how people feel about Mario Andretti in Spain and Germany. I mean, I think everybody knows what he, who he is. I don't know if it adds... I don't know if it adds the value worth diluting the pie. That's all they have to say, but they're not going to say that. Well, and they go on to say that our assessment process has established that the presence of an 11 team would not in and of itself provide value to the championship. Again, it's, it's hilarious. Now again, they say they're going to, they look at it again. And if you're in I mean, do you just move forward? I mean, what, what do you do? 
Well, I because think... the FIA is saying they're going to try to go back and figure things out. And again, it's it's tricky because I don't know on a legal perspective what can be done. Because yes, Liberty. Nothing. I mean, they're screwed. Liberty is an American company, but I don't. I mean, this is European law, and so I don't know how that works because antitrust is basically U.S. law. So I don't think that's a, a that's a play here, and I have no idea. And I'm not going to dive into that aspect. If someone is an expert, feel free to reach out to us on that. But I just I don't see a, a way for them to get anywhere and and to waste millions of dollars on a legal battle unless the FIA is paying for it on their behalf is not. Yeah. It. And it's like, do you really want to get into this into formula one by via the courts? Doesn't really sound like, well, they weren't welcome anyway. So what would it matter? True. But I mean, that's the thing that there are, there's two things that, that stand out to me. A there is Michael and Jetty could have went about this better, but in the, the crazy world behind the scenes world of formula one. Sometimes you have to be aggressive and step on some toes to try to get what you want. And unfortunately for my, for Michael Andretti, that didn't work out. I do think the most important aspect of this potential um, commitment to formula one was getting to into formula one with the Andretti name for Mario before he passes away. Yes. And Mario seems like a dude that's going to live forever vibrant guy even as old as he is but he's not going to and i think that's a it's become personal for michael andretti to try to get back into formula one the andretti name back into formula one in some capacity before mario passes on and unfortunately at least in the near term that doesn't look like it's going to happen and the fact that this has been delayed just a couple more years as far as when they could even you know consider that's the part that i really struggle with from a personal level like you mentioned because it means a lot, and 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 Mario just saying on, on social media, he, he didn't even know what to say. Like he doesn't really have the words. And uh, the the kicker and all the the quotes from F one and all the statements was was this one. It was the most significant way in which a new entrant would bring value is by being competitive. We do not believe that the applicant Andretti Formula Racing LLC would be a competitive participant. Hmm. Well, you could say that for pretty much the entire field <laughs> outside of Red Bull. Outside of Red Bull, I mean. You think V Carb, the Visa Cash App Red Bull F1 team is competitive, or Williams, or Haas, or Haas, yeah, or Stake F1, and all these you know legendary brands that F1 has like those over the Andretti name, which is recognized globally in motorsport as one of the preeminent names in motorsport. That's why I just find all this stuff to be so hilarious that they do this dog and pony show, and this is the the conclusion. Yes, is it expected? Yes. But just the way that the releases were so scathing on the process, it felt personal. And part of that, I think, maybe was the fact that Michael Andretti rubbed some people the wrong way within Formula One with how he was going about things. And I think, if anything, this was a power play within Formula One to be like, we'll show him who's really in charge. And boy, did they. Yeah. And, and again, because... GM's not going to be a factory team coming in with Cadillac right away. They even had a, a deal set up with Renault. It's just all of this is hilarious. It's frustrating. And if you're an American F1 fan who is looking forward to this, I mean, one, I'd, I'd be surprised if they move forward on this unless the <laughs> FIA is going to do something to try to change this outcome. But then also, you can pretty much rule out Colton Herta ever having an F1 ride. Right. 
Kyle Kirkwood too at that. It's just it's all very frustrating. It's frustrating, but not together surprising, unfortunately. And you have to wonder if do we even get this far in terms of the bid if GM isn't part of it? Because I feel like Formula One, whether you agree or not, values General Motors in its sport more than it does the Andretti name. And I don't think they're necessarily wrong with that about that assessment. But just consider that's probably why this process went as long as it did is because Formula One would love to have GM. And was it Williams that offered? You know, well, we'd like to partner with Yeah, of course, the GM. other teams wanted to steal GM away from Andretti Cadillac. But as we know, GM said it's Andretti or nobody yes. for us. So all that to say, that this whole thing just felt like a charade. Now, F1 also put out a statement saying that you know they offered to have Michael Andretti meet with them I think what in, in December, but at that point it, it was it was probably already clear internally that this would not be approved. Yeah, I don't know if this is surprising to the Andretti's. They probably knew this was coming. And quite frankly, unfortunately, not surprising for us either. Yes. Frustrating with how it played out and how just scathing and, and bitter and vindictive F one just like to be wrong in their <laughs> like, response. But that is what it is. Yes. And again, you can run through the list. Autosport had a great tweet going over the accomplishments by Andretti's and Motorsport. F1 World Championship, 12 F1 wins, 18 F1 polls, 20 F1 podiums, 6 Indy 500 wins. Again, this is including team ownership, a Daytona 500 win, 9 IndyCar titles, 4 Indy Lights titles, 2 uh, Daytona 24 overall wins, 3 Sebring wins, a Pikes Peak win, 3 NASCAR wins. A Le Mans 24-hour class win. Uh, the list is so long, and I guess I just find the argument to be so silly. Plus, let alone Andretti's the reigning Formula E world champion. Let's not forget right? that as a team. Mm-hmm. That's an accomplishment that they have on a you know global motorsport series. Within an FIA-sanctioned yes. series. So it, it just, it's not just the IndyCar team or the other teams that they have. It, like, Formula E has had success at the top level. So it's all comical, and now you just wonder what the next steps are. Do they pursue things moving forward? After FOM, Formula One Management, uh, made that decision, uh, obviously the FIA and Liberty Media are very much on board with Andretti joining. So, I mean, they go to bat with them, but it, it's fascinating. I mean, Chris Medlin has a, a good write-up on, on Racer.com saying that you know sources indicate there's nothing personal against the Andretti bid. It sure seemed personal, though. <laughs> At least with some of the comments, right? The GM connection is what has kept the door open for 2028, as you talked about. So that's that's the one thing that GM would be a obviously massive, valuable addition. They've never competed in Formula 1 before. Ford's coming back, so GM is certainly interested in competing against Ford in the coming years. Um, This... This is good in the sense that, yes, they'll have more time. The bad is, of course, the Concord Agreement, and will they still have the money? Now, it's understood that the money is there. That right, that's not a problem. That's never been seen to be an issue. It's just, will they want to go through this process again after how this played out this time? Looking at how this affects Andretti's IndyCar effort, which we know has been lacking in recent years, do you see any effect? Uh, does 
No. And do it redouble their efforts in IndyCar? Do they invest more, blah, blah, blah? Do you see this happening, I don't, uh, affecting this, anything? This, to me, feels like a completely separate thing. And the element of that where, I mean, I saw a story that came out before all of this going down this week that they had already put together a 60% scale car, and they had, like, apparently 100 employees working on it. Um, A lot going into play on this project. They... First look at the car in the wind tunnel. Team size over 120 people. Um, they have a, a full-size chassis that's planned for mid, mid part of this year. GM's involved. This was right before, of course, F1 said no. So now you just wonder, where do they go? Yeah, do they here? keep developing that stuff? I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I, I think it's all about Michael, and if he thinks going at it after it in 2028 is is worth it. If it's waiting out an existing team, I think the most likely one right now would be Haas, but they don't seem anywhere imminent to selling. No, and that's that's the obvious choice that people talk about. And you talk about being competitive or not. Obviously, Haas is not competitive, but Haas does not seem interested in selling. Would he be interested in selling a share to Andretti? I, I don't know. I mean, Haas is, why would he give up total ownership? Well, to further invest in the True. series, because we know that Haas is outspent by the majority of teams in Formula One, a cash infusion could help them tremendously. True. I just i I'd be surprised they they they'd have to end their relationship with Ferrari as well, and I don't know how interested they would be with that. And I think Gene Haas is a stubborn dude. Yes, I think he wants to prove that he can do this with his money, with his team. And I don't think he's he's interested in sharing the limelight right now. But right now you're in the limelight for all the wrong reasons. The last place team in Formula One. Yes. And again, money talks and in F1, they didn't want to give up the money on what they believe is a cheap dilution fee. That The problem is this just feels so short-sighted by F1 where you have an F1 fan base that is engaged and interested in your product more popular than F1's ever been before in America. You have three races. You would have a true American team. And I understand Haas F1 is an American team. They never had an American driver. And this would be a way to get a popular name. You you would have a team that you would think would come in and be mid-pack right away. That has a lot of investment. It's not just one guy throwing a bunch of money at it like Gene Haas is, right? That's, right. that's the difference. So this is in, in a team that could get you in front of, of a lot of people because of Mario and Michael. I mean, it's just it's obvious in that aspect. So I, it just it feels short sighted. And F one is is undergoing a fad here in the U.S. And my guess will be this getting pushed back. Will people even care about F one in twenty twenty eight? In 2026, people will stay on board because they'll have something to care about with an American team coming in and an American uh, engine coming in as well with Cadillac. But now, why should American fans stick around? I mean, the drive to survive fad was never going to last long term. So they've added more races and Liberty is promoting and, you know, Vegas we thought it'd be this outright disaster and it turned out to be a success, even though it's still going to be at 2 a.m. in the morning later this year. So like what's next? Because all of this 
from an American F1 fan perspective is very negative. Yeah, I just I don't know how many casual Formula One fans in America, which I think there are more casual Formula One fans in the United States than there are NASCAR casual fans in terms of the percentage of the fans that follow the sport, let alone IndyCar. I just don't know how it's affecting the everyday casual Formula One fan in America. But I think it does hurt you in terms of raising your profile and potentially to new more Americans as you continue to grow the sport in America. And you would think if that's your most important market, and that said, like Liberty Media, who who is an American company, said they wanted they wanted uh, they wanted Andretti in. This basically just comes down to not wanting to share money. And whether it's short sighted, whether it whatever, it's you're talking about a lot of money that's divided between ten teams, and they don't want to divide it into eleven. And I, I understand their sentiment, but it's pretty short sighted. Yes, and I think they will regret this decision down the road because they won't have the American investment. Again, as a lot of people have pointed out on social media, F1 just wants American sponsorship and dollars, but they never wanted true American investment and American team. No, they didn't really. They just want to... They want to siphon the money out of the U.S. while they can. Yes, and then bank and bank and bank and not share it. But it's kind of the sport. We kind of understood that none of this is surprising, like we've said. Yes, and that's just kind of the reality of where things are at. All right, so we move from F1 to IndyCar, and I don't even know where to begin as far as a secondary story because there are just so many things. I think the biggest thing we'll get to, uh, we have some driver announcements. None of this a surprise in terms of the drivers and the team. What is a surprise is the partnership. Connor Daly, Ryan Hunter A, long been rumored to race for Dryan Reinbold. Well, Dryan Reinbold and Cusick Motorsports pairing up together, but again, no Stefan Wilson. So it'll be Hunter A and Connor Daly in those cars. Cusick Motorsports will be a, a partner across both entries. So this will once again be a team you expect to compete and have a chance. I mean, Hunter A last year finished 11th and uh, had, I think, like some sort of aero issue, but he, he was running. <coughs> Probably like what top five, I believe, or had a. Oh, he was up there, yeah. So this will be an interesting team to watch. As far as the one-off teams, we think they can truly be competitive, and with both those drivers, they'll have as good of a shot as anyone. Two guys that have shown speed at the speedway. Ryan Hunter, of course, has won the Indianapolis 500, so uh, a good duo, I feel, for the speedway. I think the, the the biggest question is now what happens to Stefan Wilson because he was really attached to that key, potential Cusick entry. Now with Cusick partnering with Dry Iron Ryan Mode Racing, where does that leave Stefan Wilson? And as of recording this show right now, we haven't really got an answer. Yeah, and for Wilson, I mean, here's what Cusick said in a statement. I'd like to thank Stefan Wilson for kickstarting this adventure back in 2021. Stefan's contributions and commitment has been second to none. He will forever be an integral part of our journey. We'll support him however we can for the future. Well, just not with a ride. Yeah, just not with a ride or uh, much of anything. But uh, now Stephen Wilson could go talk to Benjamin Peterson about how it feels to be left behind, especially. Yeah. Potentially. It's, it's all unfortunate, but that is the that's, nature of business. That's, that's, that's how this thing works. That's how auto racing works. It's, it's, it's unfortunate for Stephen Wilson, but a greater opportunity presented itself with, let's be honest, two guys that have been better at the speedway than Stephen Wilson. Uh-huh. And to that, you can't really blame 
uh, Cusick for, for going with this partnership. No, no, you cannot. And that's just the reality where things are at. So that was big story number one. And, and we'll see how that plays out. Taking a look at other news as far as across the grid. Long rumor that Takuma Sato would be the fourth entry for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Um, apparently that may not be the case. Uh, Tony Donahue putting a rumor out there. Sato could return to coin not Ray Hall and, and Sato could do the ovals in 2024. So mm. something to keep in mind as far as driver movement. That was really the only driver stuff we had in the last week. The other note is some engineer stuff that Marshall Pruitt had in the mailbag on racer.com. Eric Cowden is going to Ed Carpenter racing, uh, has not heard anything about Craig Hampson returning to racing. That's interesting. Right. After he left McLaren and then Alan McDonald at Hunkos Hollinger racing is at the Homestead test. So, there's your update as far as silly season stuff. Not very silly in the last week. We're still just waiting on coin. Yes, so not too crazy. And, you know, every engineering hire for a team is a better hire than what they had last year. That's just that time of year when everybody's trumping that narrative. So we'll see exactly what all these changes mean behind the scenes once we get to St. Pete and beyond. So we have 32 confirmed entries with 32 drivers uh, for the Indianapolis 500, we're waiting on two from Dale Coin Racing, and then it comes down to a third AJ Foyt and a fourth Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing entry, and that's basically it, right? That's yeah, with Cusick off the radar now. Uh, that's kind of where we're at. So you thinking right now? I'm thinking 35. Now, I am too with Cusick um, partnering with uh, DRR. I, I think we'll see. You know, both coin entries, could we see a, a third coin? I doubt it. it. Really, it also comes down to their Chevy having more engine availability. But if if Sato is a third entry, which I don't think he would be, I think it would be one of the, one of those two entries right. at least for the Indy 500. It's a possibility, but I, I'd say 35 seems more likely than 36, but 36 is definitely still possible. Still possible, still plenty of time, but I'm, I'm kind of looking at that 35 number as being it. And just because Chevy has the engine leases available doesn't mean they're necessarily going to use them. And that's always been the case. Yes. So Got to knock their socks off with something. Yeah, that's a factor to keep in mind. All right, and then the other big headline story that before everything that happened in F1, and of course we didn't even mention Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari, which was shocking and came down earlier this week. Uh, what happened to the Rolex 24? Unfortunately, well, not even in the race. Yeah. We're not talking about things that happened in the race race out of the parking lot. Apparently. Yeah. So you had a crash on Saturday involving the safety car and two individuals, uh, injured in that. Then you had this Devlin D Francesco's dog. Lucky, uh, was hit by Chip Ganassi. In the RV lot, correct? Yes, in in the bus lot over the weekend at the Rolex 24 at Daytona. A lot going on with this. Chips and out a statement. Um, and people describing it as a chaotic scene. Yes. And Devlin D. Francesco saying, th- thanking to Ganassi for his apology. But this wouldn't, you know, completely go away because. Well, you have Chip's daughter, Tessa, who 
Again, hadn't tweeted in like nine, nine years, years, right? Basically. First tweet in, since 2020, 2015. Yes. Um, going scorched earth, and th- this has since been deleted. So ah, I am doing my is. best to find the original post, but this has turned into way more of a story. I mean, first it became Devlin D. Francesco's dog, uh, a puppy, Lucky, got hit and killed by a vehicle uh-huh. in the bus lot, and Jennifer Fryer got pounced on by people on social media. For, like, a, for no reason. I don't yeah, understand I, why. I didn't understand as to why, because Devlin had also posted about it. It's not like it was a secret. But then uh, you had you know, people attacking her. Then it comes out, oh, Chip Ganassi is the one who right. hit Devlin's dog. Well, that obviously is certainly a story that you can't just ignore when a fellow IndyCar team owner uh, is the one who struck the dog. And then you, you have the post, which was since taken down. And again, I am efforting to find. So it was basically like, he's not, if he's never, he hates animals <clears throat> was basically what she was saying. Uh, said something about a case where he hit at IMS one year, hit somebody with a, that was with on a, a with a cane, a hit a man with a cane. Uh, he always drives like a bat out of hell out of the parking here, lot, apparently. All right. What a joke. He hates animals. Like when he let my dog out the front door onto a main road in the snow at night with no leash when I was eight and called me brain dead for not bringing a house key with me when I ran outside in the snow to get her. He always pulls out of the track like a maniac, like pulling out of IMS when he hit into a man walking with a cane. Then the guy shattered my dad's car window with the cane and my dad just kept driving. He feels remorse <laughs> for absolutely nothing. I promise you throwing money at the situation per usual. That's his daughter. Yes. Um, at least believed to be her account, which sounds I like, believe uh, it was based on the posts that we saw and and everything. Sounds like there's she deeper issues there. She changed her account to private. <laughs> there's just seems like family drama, I'm sure. Yep. That's, uh, here's here's my take. And I, I told you this. I, two things. Because I never know, like, was the, was the puppy on a leash? Puppy was on a leash. That's a problem. Yeah. Okay? Leash up your dog. Uh, so that's Devlin's fault, if that indeed was the case. And then, of course, Chip just driving like an idiot. So they're both to blame, if indeed the puppy was off its leash. If he was on its leash, then it's all on Chip. But, you know, I, I guess in uh, when we're looking for anything to talk about, this uh, captured a lot of people's attention over Rolex 24 weekend. And again, this is Chip's daughter. Like, this is only, uh, well, one of his daughters. Um, she's pretty private. And again, her, her accounts are <laughs> private again after that statement and all of this. But it, it's it's unfortunate. I can't even imagine running over a dog. Right. In not feeling devastated about yeah, that for the rest of my really life. really bad about it. <laughs> So, um, I don't know if I would take it to that level. I mean, it would be, it would suck to kill a dog. I don't think it's saying with me for my the rest of my now, life. Now there, there's the, the aspect of, like you said, did the dog just dart out in front of the car and there's nothing you could do? Right. I mean, there's a big difference between something like that and, and that's a key striking the dog. Key part of the story that we're missing is, was the dog on a leash or not? And that changes my opinion of a lot of things, depending on if he was or not. So it's kind of where I'm at with the situation. Um, it's just uh, bizarre between, between 
that and the Rolex 24 that really wasn't the Rolex yeah. 24. Yeah, we didn't even get to that aspect. It was the Rolex 23 hour and 58 minutes because, well, IMSA admitted that they threw like, the whoops. checkered flag early. And people were like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. There wasn't any close races on track, but still, it's the Rolex 24. Is the Indianapolis 500, the Indianapolis, you know, 499, but, you know, Scott Dixon's leading by 10 seconds, so, ah, whatever. I mean, if that was the case, then um, there's certain people that would love to be uh, driving in the Indy 499, if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, including sure Robbie Gordon would love probably to. Robbie Gordon. Um, probably J.R. Hildebrand. J.R. Hildebrand was the one that comes definitely to mind because he was well ahead. Of course, um, I'm sure that um, Paul Tracy would say that the Indianapolis 499 would be phenomenal. So it astounds me that such a big event was kind of just shrugged off because eh, there were no close races on track anyway. Okay, I guess. Not ideal. All that to say, Joseph Newgarden, in his first attempt, adds a Rolex 24. So he gets the Rolex and the Indy 500 in the same year. Uh, joining Ari Leindijk, Dan Weldon, Dario Franchitti, and Elio Castroneves to become just the fifth reigning Indy 500 winner to capture the Rolex 24. And for Penske, it's first overall victory since 1969. Now, was this the, the first 24. year back? It wasn't the first They've year back, back, right? Yeah, for years. a while. Yeah. Um, and also note Tom Blomquist, as Nathan Brown uh, had this, a couple seconds short, he finished in second, becoming a back-to-back to back race winner uh, and Christian Rasmussen got a, a win in LMP2 for IndyCar. In fact, so Newgarden was teamed up with Felipe Nazar, Dane Cameron, Matt Campbell, and the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport Porsche 963 which won the GTP class, the overall uh, winner, and then Christian Rasmussen was with Air Motorsport in the LMP2 class as well. So mm. congrats to both of them. Notice how we talked about everything but the race results <laughs> until now. But Newgarden becomes the 16th person to win the 500 and the Rolex 24 overall as well. Congratulations to Joseph Newgarden. It's been a heck of a eight-ish, nine-ish months for him. And it was a big crowd of the Rolex 24. In fact, most attended in the event's 62-year history. Makes sense with all the excitement around um, the, you know, the, manufacturers and and all that the new stuff it's uh understandable i did not watch a single second of the rolex 24 i watched about 20 minutes all right you watched 20 minutes more than i did i was too busy locked in on puppy gate yeah to watch it was certainly something yeah it was something i don't know what it is but it was something we'd love to hear from you we appreciate your feedback as always you can find us at new track record podcast.com while you're there check out the store, we have t-shirts and stickers for sale. Also, you can sign up for the email list. It is free. You'll get an email after every episode or any special announcements. Plus, you can reach us on social media, IndyCar Podcast on Twitter slash X, also on Instagram, on Facebook. Just search for New Track Record. And let's see. We're, we're up Patreon. Patreon.com oh, slash at, huh? New Track Record. Uh, starting at just $1 a month, thanks to Xavier and others for their support. And as always, you can email us, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com, or, and or listen to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, all for free. 
Okay, mailbag time, and we do have quite a bit to get to because, well, a lot of people have thoughts on what happened in F1 in the last week. But we go back to before that and before all the chaos earlier in the week. And we had this story come down. Uh, Adam Stern tweeting, uh, Mark Miles used a football analogy. The series is on the 50-yard line of its meteorites talks. Penske executives, please, so far. Companies have talks include NBC, the CW, Fox Sports, all those expected, and then Apple, hmm. which is intriguing. Yeah, it better be a hell of a lot of money if you're going to an all-stream service Correct. like Apple. Uh, we'll a, see. Few, a few uh, replies on this from Tyler Wong 65. Hope you stay on NBC at least, NBC being the main partner with the CW serving as a channel for races that were previously on USA Network and Peacock. Gives the series a streaming platform and broadcast TV for almost all races. Uh, run underscore Mark underscore Run says, personally, I hope to stay on NBC with Peacock. You can't say no if Apple throws a big check at you. What's one more streaming subscription anyways? Tyler underscore Allen, and you thought it was bad when people complained about Peacock. Jeremy from HBG saying, hope they stay on NBC slash Peacock. And Daguerre saying, I would love if that happened. I think uh, that's in reference to Apple. So a lot of different thoughts on this. In terms of getting more money, not good news. Uh, Stern uh, with with a quote from a, a media a- analyst saying, it's about expectations overall. They'll do fine. What do Roger Penske and Mark Miles think they're going to get? Looking to double, that's not going to happen in this environment. And that being going from 20 to $40 million. Man, this is mind-boggling considering what Xfinity's getting from CW. Yes. I understand CW has more races. I get it. Um, but even half of what CW gets would be $55 million. So... Uh, or a, a half of it, what Xfinity is going to get from CW is, is 55 million. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I feel like NBC is an all or nothing thing. They're not going to allow, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to be interested in an ABC like package where they keep the Indianapolis 500 and a couple races and another network has the rest. I just don't see that as, as something that NBC wants to do. So I feel whoever wins this, what we hope is a bidding war will probably have all races, including the 500. Yeah, if there's enough money, I mean, I, I sure hope so. So we'll it see. Nice, it would be nice to have continuity. Yes, which we've had, which maybe we've taken for granted. I, I mean, it, at least on the same platform, and let alone the fact a couple of years ago, I mean, it was almost, not all of them, but most of the races were on NBC. Now we've gone from majority to about half to now less than half. It, it's not ideal. A couple yeah. of re- replies on the Tesla Ganassi tweet. Uh, Jeremy from HBG saying, me staying out of this one. NK Harden saying, had to click forgot password just so <laughs> she could go on and post that. It's been almost a decade since she last posted. And Dobazo Rodrigo saying, how long till we hear from the cane man? Hashtag plot twist. Yes, the, <laughs> the elusive cane man who got the hit from man. I'm sure the cane man got paid a sizable amount of money that's going to keep him quiet. Just a yeah. guess. Yeah whole thing is crazy. All right. Now we get to all the thoughts on F1 and, you know, of course the, the Andretti team being not competitive, according to F1. I, I said, same could be said for every current F1 team, not named Red Bull. Uh, Brent Phelps said, any chance Haas sells to Andretti? I'd say no, because I think Andretti's already approached Haas on that. Yeah. Not anytime soon. Uh, Poet Shevchenko, 99% sure it won't happen, but Andretti should redirect the funds raised for the F1 team into IndyCar. 
new chassis, grant for Chevy Honda to make a new engine, inject money for any car to push very aggressively. Uh, it's separate money. I mean, it's yeah. just reality. They, they can't. It's different allocations. Yep. Uh, Jeremy from HPG, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and McLaren would love to have an eight-car grid. Split that cash four ways and be done with it. I stopped watching F1 when they went to ESPN and do not regret it one bit. Somebody that's not happy with Formula One and this not being the catalyst of that. No. Uh, ben Smith for real saying they can't be serious. Oh, but they are. <laughs> uh, N.K. Harden saying this is hilarious. If that really mattered, then they should have kicked out everyone not named Red Bull or Mercedes a long time ago. And adds if this was about value and competitiveness, Austin Williams would have been gone years ago. If they care about competitiveness, bring in a relegation system. If you can't get X amount of points in a year, you're down to F2. That's not what this is about, though, obviously. Yes. They, they obviously. say it's not personal, but it's hard not to view it that way. Well, I don't know. If you, I think personal personal feelings has something to do with it, but I do think the money is... Let's, let's take, for example, Williams, and let's say they get... Williams, who is no longer has any association with Williams. Correct, but it's by, still Williams. Like what, private equity? Yeah. Let's say they make $450 million per year from formula, from the pie being <laughs> cut. Okay, let's say four fifty. I'm laughing because there's no way they make that. Much <laughs> but let's say it's four fifty. And then adding an eleventh team, all of a sudden they have to drop down to three seventy five. I mean they're they're in, in mind to lose thirty seven or seventy five million dollars. That's a lot of money. So when you're talking millions and millions of dollars, I I have a hard time when I'm Williams or Haas agreeing to something like that. Because yeah, Andretti could add value. They could do this, could do that. There's no guarantees. So I do kind of understand where the teams are coming from. But unfortunately, the bigger thing is, this is this is my biggest issue, is the teams have way too much power in Formula One. The, the, the FIA should be able to say, you know what? Yeah, we're expanding to 11 teams or 12 teams. And you know what? You're going to have to deal with it. The model of Formula One in which the inmates run the asylum is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and that's how their model's set up. And That, to me, is the biggest thing Yes, for me. Uh, and, and this kind of dovetails off that. I, I tweeted, F1's chances of staying relevant in the U.S. long-term just went poof. The fad bubble will burst, and it will be soon. A lot of replies on this one as well. Transocean Trojan saying, sad thing is IndyCar should be capitalizing on the F1 blunders like this, but they can't get out of their own way. LOL. Uh, Shevchenko pointing out that Andretti was top uh, of trending Ah. as far as an IndyCar team. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Jeremy from HBG saying, F1 isn't racing. It is an engineering and political exercise covered up with a bunch of pyro and ballyhoo. We got a foothold here because of a pandemic and a reality show. That is true. Mm -hmm. It's undeniable. Uh, ben Smith for real saying the quotes from F1 actually made me laugh out loud. Uh, Jerry Bundle said from your lips to God's ears and in cap team 185 F1 sucks. F1 sucks. Come on all together. Now F1 <laughs> sucks. <laughs> that said one day later, everybody was talking formula one. Yes. Because of the Lewis Hamilton Ferrari announcement. Yes. So all y'all people who said F1 sucks were probably the same people talking about Ferrari and, and Lewis Hamilton because we were. Yeah, well, it, it was a big story that you could not ignore. Now, in terms of how does it impact your interest in the sport with the rejection, well, I guess the, the delaying of Andretti's bid, let's be honest, it was a rejection of the yeah. current bid. 
Uh, how does it impact your sport? I posted a poll. Nearly 38% of you said greatly impact. Nearly 30% of you said no interest before. 17% no change. 15% little impact. Skyscraper tree one. Yeah, I wish Andretti was in, but let's be real. Of course, I'll be tuned in for the new season. So appreciate the honesty there. Um, Poach Shevchenko saying, since F1 only wants competitive cars, I look forward to the two-car grid, the season opener in two months. <laughs> Beans B-card blog. I had no interest before. Watch all the drive to survives last off-season so I could get into F1. Then the green flag dropped on the F1 season. It was boring AF. I stopped early in the season. Unsure which is most boring. F1, soccer, or baseball? Mm. Okay. Uh, NK Harden saying, I gave F1 a shot for three years. It was a joke. I was excited to see a relatable team in the paddock. That obviously being McLaren. I have zero reason to watch now. Those that do, God bless you. You must also love watching paint dry. If you want to see what F1 teams are like, go watch South Park Smug Alert. <laughs> <laughs> Classic episode there. Uh-huh. Uh, RamTX22 um, said, build up any car to the level it enjoyed in the <laughs> 90s and take it international. Any car has always had a better pure racing product than the F1 circus. That is true. Look, Kart was challenging F1 globally in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy from HBG saying, I feel horrible for Mario. He seems legitimately hurt and betrayed. And that's my biggest takeaway, unfortunately, in all of this, is that this feels very personal. And after the way Michael Andretti was treated by F1 and his stint there, uh, it's just that it, yeah, it's just it's, I think it's hard. To, it's hard to to not ignore that. Like I mentioned earlier, I think that was the biggest thing for, for Michael is he just wanted to give this to his dad. Yes, and uh, be able to 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 be back in Formula One and not happening anytime soon. And then thoughts on Hamilton going to Ferrari in twenty twenty five. Nk Harden saying, well. Like they say, if you can't beat Red Bull, join a different team with lower expectations so you can blame the team and not your poor performance. Jeremy from HBG saying uh, Pelot's hair is poofing out like Drew Barrymore's in Firestarter while <laughs> thinking of his Ganassi contract. And Norling F saying, this getting dropped today is just F1's way of trying to cover up the fact they just dissed Andretti. It was convenient timing. Yeah, I'll say I that. will say that for sure. Well, I mean, when I asked you and, 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 and you pointed it out, and it's the only logical answer on, on why Lewis Hamilton is going to Ferrari, is it's every perspective F1 driver's dream to race a Ferrari-badged car yeah. in Formula and, 1. As a lot of people have pointed out. Like, yes. He has a huge Ferrari collection, so this shouldn't have come as, as a surprise. It shouldn't, yeah. I think we considered him a, a Mercedes lifer just because of all the success he had. And people say, well, you know, Mercedes isn't better, Ferrari isn't better or worse than than the Mercedes. Why leave? It's 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 the Every brand. driver wants. To, I yes. mean, look, Vettel drove it Ferrari. Alonso drove it Ferrari. Uh, now it's going to be Hamilton. I mean, the top guys all want their shot at Ferrari because if you can win with Ferrari, I mean, you're legendary. Yes, and Hamilton. I understand is already legendary, but this would elevate yes. his career, elevate to another stratosphere, and. The guy you feel sorry for is Carlos Sainz. Yeah, I mean because he is, I am for in my the number one driver at Ferrari. Now he's out in twenty twenty five. He won't. I mean, is it going to be a simple swap? to Sainz go to Mercedes? I don't know if it's that easy. We'll see. All right, that wraps up the mailbag. Time to get to news and notes and 
here's some good news, and I believe these tickets are gone. But IndyCar Nation members got discounted thermal tickets. Oh. Uh, they were offering a discount to $500 as opposed to the 2000 100 were available. Nathan Brown of the IndyStar had a good write-up. So there'll be at that. least 100 people there. <laughs> yeah. What you're saying. So I'm not sure if there are any left, <laughs> but obviously a, a good move because I think they're struggling to sell tickets. Go figure. Yeah, what a shock. Also, Ganassi unveiled Kiffin Simpson's number four Journey Rewards car. Uh, blue, yellow, good-looking car. We'll yep. see how he does in his first season. He had hybrid testing at Homestead Miami earlier this week as we record here on thir- uh, Friday, February 2nd here in the U.S. Uh, but a successful test. In fact, I think R- Alexander Rossi was saying on his podcast that they had no issues. It was a very successful test with that and so they're looking at things moving forward and when you don't have failures on the hybrid unit that is a positive sign yeah i mean it's it's a good thing it's better than some failures i just like why why is it taking till late january now rossi did say the lap times were an acceptable amount slower compared to the previous week without the hybrid installed but again think about it weight right right? but he did say a lot closer in pace than it had been previously so they're making progress and we're not sure if they had the the new arrow screen they probably didn't have that yeah that yet. i'm not sure of i'm wondering have we heard anything about having the new arrow screen by saint pete i believe that's supposed to be on board All right. but well, there we were nearly 1500 laps by 10 drivers no stoppages good you compare that to the last hybrid test in november also at homestead miami uh, a driver was towed in six times in one day <laughs> <laughs> that from from marshallbrewdeveracer.com. So they, not ideal. It made a lot of progress, and they're about a tenth of a second uh, faster uh, from just over a couple weeks ago. It's progress, but it's extremely late progress, and still only ten of your drivers have even turned laps in a hybrid engine car. Now, in terms of the horsepower on demand, something in the sixty horsepower range likely. Mm. So that's good to know. All right. But yes, ex- excited for this to be on board. It's just a shame it's going to be mid-season. Yes. I don't think anyone's denying that. Of which they haven't said exactly when it'll be no. yet. Just post-Indy. Yes, correct. Uh, other notes, Nathan Brown with a good write-up on IndyCar trying to put together a NASCAR-like charter system. The, the biggest aspect of all of this is they're still working on the framework. You know, Are we talking... 25 charters, 22 um, teams that don't have a charter could still be eligible to get leader circle. They're all trying to figure this out, but it, it's it's a good write-up talking about this. And as Indy Oreo points out, uh, Cart had franchises in the late 90s, but the team owners soon cashed out their stock, followed Toyota and Honda money to the IRL. So something to keep in mind that moving forward. Meanwhile, IndyCar in Argentina, I'm just going to throw out there, it's probably not going to happen because the MotoGP race, the Argentina GP that would have been held at the same track, uh, has been canceled due to budget cuts. This isn't a surprise. They will not replace the race on their calendar. For IndyCar, if they have the race, uh, leader circle payouts would go from $1.1 million to $1.3 million due to a promoter sanctioning fee that would up it for teams that participate. For leader circle members, but again, I I have my doubts of this happening. 
Yeah, me too. Now, there was a lot of private investment that Ricardo yeah. Lucas talked about. But again, if they need any amount of government funding, they're not going it's not to gonna get it. I mean, you could try to spin it and say, well, maybe the MotoGP race is going away because they're going to finance the IndyCar race. I just don't think I that's don't think so. the case. I think there is a tightening of the budgets down in Argentina with the new president. And he's got bigger things to worry about in Argentina than auto races. I mean, as every leader of a country uh, has more important things. So unfortunately, as we've mentioned before, I mean, when you go to these locales that are very much reliant on government money to finance the events, if the government isn't down with it, there's not there's not a lot of private investment, private equity like we have in the United States and some of these countries to say, oh, yeah, we'll step up and and promote this race and, and front 10, 15, 20 million dollars for it. It's just not realistic in countries like Argentina. No. Uh, continuing on, Pietro Fittipaldi will share reserve driver duties with uh, Haas F1 for the upcoming season with Ollie Behrman. Hmm. So this had been talked about before, but uh, congrats to him on that. Uh, elsewhere, we finally know the streaming platform that will air season one of 100 Days to Indy, Paramount Plus. Okay. Coming to the app on February 16th, so that's just two weeks away. That's pretty exciting. Because they offer global distribution they of do. that. And CBS having the Super Bowl, I mean, you just wonder, will there be any promotion of that? No, I there doubt will not it. be. There will not be. But that will be just days after the Super Bowl. So you yeah, it's not happening. There's um, any anything here. Now, U.S. streaming rights uh, heading, heading there next month. So, okay, sorry. That is U.S. streaming rights headed there next month. You would also think that would be the spot for global distribution, as Nathan Brown, the Indie Star, points out. So. Either way, that's a big win. I'll keep an eye on. Uh, I actually, when I heard this, I went through Paramount Plus because they have like a coming soon tab. Didn't yeah. see anything. Okay. Uh, went to sports. Didn't see anything. Did see Formula E Unplugged, which is in there, yeah. uh, which I've never heard of before. Then I stumbled into the fact that they have classic Nickelodeon video or, uh, game shows yes. on there, like Nick Arcade and Double Dare. And I was like, you know what? I can't. This is a a uh, rabbit hole I cannot go down right now because I will not be able <laughs> to pull myself out. So I left that alone, but I did peruse it. Didn't see anything about um, 100 Days to Indy, but it is still a couple weeks out, so I'll, I'll check and, and have an update next week. And again, if you didn't catch season one, assuming it goes on to Paramount Plus, at least here in the U.S., it was a pretty good show, I, I must say. It was an interesting show. They did a good job. You just hope they can get global distribution, which is something they're working on, and yeah. that's the next step. We'll see. A couple of uh, concert announcements. St. Pete will have Brett Michaels performing. Ooh. During the Firestone Grand Prix Saint right. Pete uh, weekend. Meanwhile, any 500 Snake Pete lineup is set. Do we know anybody? Uh, so I didn't realize that I knew one. So when I first looked at it, I didn't recognize any of the names: Excision, Dom Dalla, Griffin, Sullivan King, and Timmy Trumpet. Then I realized, wait, I oh, know Timmy, Timmy Trumpet. Trumpet. Yeah. yeah. So I knew one, but this is the first time that I think I only knew one of the artists. Really? But now uh, Timmy Trumpet is a DJ. I guess. Or, yeah, I had no I, idea. I just thought he played the, the trumpet. The, yeah, the, the narco song. Yes. Right? Yeah. Very popular, especially at sporting events. But yeah. The lineup for the Snake Pit is there. Tickets available now. Again, ims.com slash snake pit. So but that's just that's just a bunch of people that don't even care about the racing. Yeah. They're just there those. to party. They're yeah. not watching cars on track. It's like the people that go to Iowa for the concerts. They don't care about the <laughs> racing. So what? Who cares? I certainly do not. And now, do you think we'll get the requisite... Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. 
and Steve Letard in the snake pit or around the snake pit? Because that's become like a yeah, well, ongoing. Do they get rid of Rutledge Wood? Did, was he part of the dra- the yeah, he broadcast was, last he was, year? I don't well, know. No, last, last year, year it was Earnhardt and Letard because oh, really? it was Letard's okay. first time down there, and that was like the running joke for the segments when they kept going back. I'm just wondering if they're going to go back to that well again and say, Dale Earnhardt Jr., you're going to be around the snake pit because it's kind of a tired trope at this point. And one other note, and uh, someone involved in racing sent this to me, so I want to pass this along for our younger audience. If you're between the ages of 18 and 23 and want to pursue a career in the automotive or motorsports journalism, PR, marketing, sales, business development, or sponsorship, you can apply for the Rod Campbell Award. Applications due on February 20th. Uh, you can go to rtd-media.com. You can apply online on there. It's a pretty simple form. If you have other questions about this, 317-270-8723 or email mike at rtd-media.com. Again, mike at rtd-media.com. So I'd like to thank uh, AJ for reaching out to us and, and giving us the lowdown. He was a former recipient of the award, and I think it's very important to promote young people obviously getting into racing. Yes, and uh, and people ask, how do I get into it, blah, blah, there's a prime opportunity. Yes. All right, time for Tweets of the Week, and boy, do we have several. Okay. So we start with Scott McLaughlin. It's all right. Take your 10 teams. We'll have 27 cars within a second in a few weeks. Having zero idea Sunday morning who's going to win the race. All the very best. Also, Mm, this from Callum Eilat. Not sure what else is missing to get an F1 entry. If they couldn't get an entry, I don't see how anyone else ever can. Fair. That's true. And then Graham Rahal, uh, who said back in September of 2022, F1 is an elitist sport. They don't want us. Remember that. They don't want U.S. companies' money. They want wealthy U.S. individuals' money. They don't care about the rest. Always has been that way. Always will be. That was in reply to this saying uh, from Dave Moody. Again, also in 2022, F1 has made it very clear for many years. They have no interest in U.S. drivers, just U.S. dollars. And Graham um, (laughs) saying, oh, wait, another thing I said and got tremendous hate for it. You guys seeing it yet? Is it making sense yet? Andretti Global should be in there, but read below. Yep. Follow up and very much so. Spot on. All right. Random split air driver of the week time. All right. We're going to the champ car. Uh, what is it? What champ car world series? Oh, it was the Bridgestone presents the champ car world series powered by Ford 2005. Ah, favorite name. Yes. And going with Marcus Marshall. Who? Yes. Marcus Marshall, who competed in the majority of that season for team Australia. Uh, the only race he did not participate in was the season finale of Mexico city. And throughout the season, his best finish was eighth in Edmonton, ninth in Vegas. And Team Australia was a racing team. It was started by Craig Gore and John Fish. It bought into Derek Walker's Walker Racing and scaled back after 2007 and um, had affiliation with KV. But uh, Team Australia with Marcus Marshall, one and done in terms of the Champ Car World Series. He also did a lot of GT racing, Formula Ford, uh, throughout the 2000s, did a lot of um, Australian racing. He's from Tasmania, uh, Bernie, Tasmania, to be exact. Um, but that's all he did. He did a lot of V8 supercars uh, as well. 
but 2005 was his lone season in Champ Car. One and done, high of eighth at Edmonton. And competed in a handful of Bathurst 1000 races, last competing in 2011. Yeah. You go to Champ Car post-2003, the final year of CART, you're going to find a lot of people I've never heard of. Yes, of which Marcus Marshall fits the bill. So this week's random split era driver of the week, Mr. Marcus Marshall. All right, that does it for us. For Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Batch. Thanks for joining us on another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.